strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdell, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today, we will be having on the president of Gravitate Online, Eric Dahl, who happens to actually be an alma mater of Utah Valley University, guys, which we're going to be diving into with Lodell. Orem, Utah, can't wait to hear about it. I know none of us have been there yet. Maybe Eric could shed some light on that. He'll be coming on in about 30 minutes. Uh, Before that, we'll be diving into The Last Kings of Shanghai, which I thought was a fascinating book and something that I knew nothing about. I didn't know there were a couple of Jewish families that had so much influence in China. And when you think about the kinship of how important the family dynamic is to the Chinese people, there there's definitely some relatability there in the Jewish world, as we all know. So may, maybe there's some more synergies there. Corey, I know you've always had a knack for being able to work, get us onboarded with a lot of the Chinese restaurant owners. Uh, there's definitely some relatability from this book. And it's crazy to think back, we'll dive into it in a bit, but Shanghai obviously used to be way different before we were all born. And I knew none of that before this book. So that was pretty cool. But before we dive into that, uh, you know, we'll do the current events, food for thought. Any, Dan, you haven't been on since a couple of weeks ago. How was the Colorado trip? Anything you wanted to do, any food experiences you were missing out on from South Carolina? Not at all. I mean, you know, being in Colorado, things felt still very shut down, which they obviously are everywhere else, seems like. Really? Corey had yeah. a different view on that. Yeah, maybe it was just coming from, maybe it was just coming from New York compared to yeah. South Carolina. It's funny seeing that different perception. Big time. Like, Corey, we were talking about this a couple of days ago. Like, coming from New York, Everything I'm sure feels like there's just nothing going on in the world. Coming from Charleston, you know, Denver and Charleston felt very similar where things are open, but you're wearing a mask when you go places. And it just wasn't, when I was there, I wasn't like in the mindset to be going out to dinners at night just due to everything happening. So I didn't even go out to one dinner. Obviously, I went to mom and dad's. They cooked wow. some meal. Yeah. No, I, I, no friends out to eat. There was none of that. I will say, shout out to TPC Colorado, which is the golf course that I belong to up in northern Colorado. They just were quite but almost done with their health club or uh, clubhouse, not health club. And they've been building over the last few years. And the restaurant recently opened. And they have amazing food. They have these dumplings that are insane. They have a good wood-fired oven for pizza. Dumplings at and a golf course? They're, they're <laughs> Their restaurant will be a top restaurant in Northern Colorado. Even if you're not into golf, you go there, overlooks the mountains, and there's a few lakes. And it's really beautiful, obviously, overlooks the golf course. Even if you're not into golf, there's nothing more scenic than the gorgeous golf course on the backdrop of mountains and lakes and all that good stuff. So it's definitely going to be like a hot spot to go eat food. I took my girlfriend's parents there for food one day when I was there. And or actually, no, what am I talking about? I took them to golf, and then they went there on their own a couple of days later to get food. They <laughs> Damn, the idea of taking them there. 
Well, I took mom. I took mom. And dad, they came mom and dad. And it was our first time checking it out. Jeff was supposed to come and he bailed. And how did Jeff yeah. bail on that? No gluten free options. I don't know why he bailed, but he bailed. I uh, played in a golf tournament in Colorado at TPC. That was like the main reason that triggered me to go back home. And mom and dad came up at the end. We got food together. It was cool. I was. Did you guys? I know you were both in Colorado. Did you cross pads at all? No, we were only, I was there for the weekends. I was there for like one or two days that Dan was, but I had uh, some obligations with Sarah's yeah. parents and family. So we didn't get to cross paths, unfortunately. But we did have quite different experiences. I, uh, once after all the funeral um, and all the family stuff, we, I went to dinner like every single night. I went out a lot. I did everything I didn't do here. Um, and the, I think the fact that Colorado has dine-in right now is just crazy. Like literally you can dine in an actual restaurant and that's something that's not really everywhere. Um, and I think that's, obvious, and that's why their cases are going up. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that ironic or not really? I mean, yeah. And that's where Corey, I know even when me and you and uh, Greg got dinner a few weeks ago, we were dining out like in terms of outside, like on yeah. a, to the point of we were so outside, we were on a boat that was rocking. So I, I don't really know. And, you know, that's the thing. I love dining in. But in saying that, I do love being outside. I've gotten used to it, of eating outside when I'm out to eat. I love that anyway. Obviously, it's summer. But I'm very curious to see us being in the delivery business. I mean, this is a perfect storm for us when you think about it. When the weather turns again, I find it very hard to believe. And this is terrible for dine-in restaurant business. But you're going to be hard-pressed seeing people going out to eat during yeah. COVID. I, I think I, our no, totally. I think our biggest hurdle is going to be our local restaurants actually staying afloat and making sure that we have those lo local restaurants to deliver to. I mean, I can't see many of these just staying alive based on, you know, well, especially here in New York, like there's limited room for outside dining, but really everywhere. I mean, most of the states do have a winter and get cold, and it should be interesting to see what happens with fall and winter. I think landlords are in for a rude awakening. I'm already seeing in New York, like they're delusional with the rent prices. They're going to be li literally very soon seeing the reality, whether it's commercial and residential. I, I don't think any of these guys in, really have an idea of what's going on internally. Like they're hoping that they don't have to shift gears here on prices. They're going to have no tenants. Whether what yeah. Corey's highlighting about businesses going under or people just moving, where I'm looking now, I was telling Corey earlier, Dan, the how insane rent prices are in New York. You couldn't even pay me to live in some of these places with how shitty New York is with the graffiti and trash all over the place right now. The, the prices have been skyrocketing again. And I'm laughing. I'm like, I'd rather go live in the middle of a hut in Pennsylvania and drive like an hour, to be honest. Well, yeah, there are a lot of people moving out of New York just because they don't need to actually go to work. People are able to work from the empathy factors. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy that New York real estate's been going up in light of that happening. That's I think it's like, like, like the start. It's like uh, certain areas are going up, certain areas are going down. I think like the coveted areas are going up because, you know, people are still like the rich people are still willing to pay for those apartments. But like, in certain areas, they're definitely going down. I just saw a lease that was like, I saw, my bad. I saw a lease that was three thousand dollars a month. That today was just now twenty three hundred. They're giving you like two months on it, a year lease, two months free. 
So you're seeing a lot of that. But then if you sign for a year and you re-sign, then you have the original rent, which is like 3000 a month for one bedroom. Which is so nuts. Yeah, that's why I'm not even on a lease. For our followers, I'm in nomad mode right now. I've been on month-to-month Airbnb since I got to New York a week before the pandemic. I'm definitely going to go see Dan and Danny at some point in Charleston and probably camp out there in an Airbnb for a month heading into the fall. And then, you know, I really have no idea where where I'm heading. I, I want to in New York, but it's so difficult right now to make sense of that. How are you liking the lifestyle? I hate it. I'm beyond sick of it. I was pumped to move to New York to be out of that lifestyle. But yeah, I feel like that's probably a big part of it that you like, you know, you're kind of living out of a bag pretty much and just month to yeah. month can't get comfortable. I, definitely has not been fun. I'm, uh, you know, I'm turning 34 tomorrow and I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, I'm done with this. I've lived out of a bag, I feel like, for most of our business. A lot of that via choice, don't get me wrong. But the last few months, obviously the world, it's been tough to make long-term living decisions. So Definitely. keeps it interesting, though, that's for sure. Knowing like, oh, where am I going to be next month? Hey. Yeah, for sure. Dan, what's going on current event-wise? I guess the number one thing on the list is what's going on with baseball. You guys, I'm sure, obviously saw that. Baseball, a bunch of players on the Marlins tested positive, so they're going a bunch of camps. I'm curious to see if they're still going to have it, like the actual league or not. I feel like they are. Yeah. And, yeah. Like I, I saw something. The off was an overreaction, I feel like. I agree. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, Corey, what are your thoughts on just – Dude, the MLB is just not run well. They're not like the other brand sporting pro sports. They're awful. I yeah, honestly, their leadership is terrible. Yeah, they should yeah. have been back a while ago. It's like the perfect games to social distance. They could have made what the NBA. What the NBA is doing is unbelievable. If you guys have been following along with that, I mean, the MLB could have made such a. Diff- they could have done the exact same thing. Um, and they could have done it a while ago, and they should have. I think you have just a, a broken culture in the MLB, Corey. That's the problem. You have a bunch yeah, of it's, that's old school. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. Good. Like that sport doesn't require really that much interaction with each other. You're literally distanced when you're playing the game, and then when you're live, you could just put each other in a bubble, same way the NBA is doing, and you know make sure no one has COVID, and then those teams go on and play, and that's it. Yeah, so then, I don't get it. Are players literally just all staying at the same hotel and not allowed to leave? Like, how does the NBA bubble work? I'm sure you guys know. Yeah, so I've been following, like, a bunch of the NBA players doing YouTube videos, like, day in the life of the bubble, and it's really cool to follow along. And I'm not sure if it's the same hotel or if it's, like, just a resort in general, and they all have different hotels. But basically, they were brought into the bubble, and uh, they they get tested every single day. And they have to go through the two-week quarantine, and I guess it's up on Thursday when the season actually starts. And so far, I think maybe one person has had it, and, or maybe I don't even know if anyone has had it. But um, you know, they get all the chefs, every all the amenities, every everyone gets tested inside the building every single day to make sure no one has it. Damn, every yeah, it's run well. Yeah, and then you know, after the two weeks, no one has it, so you just start playing. Yeah. And what do you guys think the answer is then if someone does have it? 
like with what's going on with baseball right now, which I know is separate from the bubble, but like, what do you do if you're baseball right now? You quarantine people that have it and they can't play until they're healthy. Yeah. I, you I might have to maybe like that team forfeits X amount of games, like the two weeks of quarantine, or they're just like out of the season for now. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. If you quarantine the players, then the Marlins are basically just shit out of luck for yeah. two, three weeks of the season. Yeah, I look at that as their problem for that not being set up correctly. It's like, hey, you guys have to forfeit games. You didn't follow protocol. That's a penalty. Like, I really think – I love where Corey's head's at where it's like, hey, they either are healthy or they they might have to cancel a couple of weeks, whatever. They should keep this season going. Yeah. The thing is, it's not like they can't call players up from minor leagues because they would also have to then quarantine and get tested yeah. and make sure they don't have it. So if you can have a roster that's able to play with your current team that's all quarantined, then you can play. If not, I think you got to be out. Maybe there's some replacement players coming in that are just making sure they're ready to rock quarantined, hoping for yeah. the best. They should have that lined up if they don't already. Where's Keanu Reeves? We're going to have a replacement sequel. That was one of my favorite movies. Great movie. Yeah. I love that. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they are going to continue to just have a league, and the games will get postponed, and they'll be right back at it. So yeah. Interesting. Looks like they're about to pass another stimulus package, and it's going to get another twelve hundred bucks. Mike, what are you doing with that? Me? I'm not getting any of that. Yeah, it's true. I, mean, I wish. I don't ever. I never get free money from people. That'd be nice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what a poker tournament. Or you came in fourth place in a pretty big poker tournament yesterday. That's yeah, that was fun. I, yeah, that was, uh, for the first time, I don't, like, it wasn't like an unlucky situation where I was like, oh, I can't believe that happened. I just should have won the tournament and ran into ace-queen versus king-queen with a guy th thinking he was trying to muscle me to just steal chips, and I went over the top, and then my eights didn't hold up to, like, an ace-queen, but... You know, that it's pretty yeah, it was pretty flop. The guy had half as many or like a third, uh, no, 70% as many chips as me. I looked at it like I'm winning this as a shoe in if I win this heads up. And he had been betting every hand. And I looked at King Queen suited with three, with four people left. I was like, this is a phenomenal hand here. I have to get aggressive. So that was yeah. a nice early birthday present for you. Thanks. Yeah, Corey, right? That whole positive Dan, the Dan luck vibes, I guess. So I think we're gonna take that down. I thought I, but now I have the mentality where now that I went that deep, I know next time I play, I'm expecting to just final table because I played in a tournament earlier in the day and just missed a final table. So I yesterday I was a complete degenerate playing poker for like 15 hours. I felt like I was in a casino when I went to bed last night. It was that feeling, Dan. You remember <laughs> at the World Series where you're just like, ugh. I felt that last night, Corey. You know what I'm talking. Isn't that crazy? A year ago, right? That was when you guys were in the playing down the there in Las Vegas. Years. We Dan and I went the last two years. Yeah, crazy. Now I it's like, never so hard in my life. It was after a day of playing in this tournament. It's like one real life. Like, it, so it drains the shit out of you. It's tiring. It's the, adrenaline, the adrenaline that you get every time you're in a hand. It's so, awesome. It's oh, it's awesome. But when you really think about. I love it. I'm just saying, like, when you think about why you crashed the end of the day so hard, you're literally playing, let's say you have, like, 35 hands that are kind of exciting throughout the day. Every single time you're in one, 
and you're in a World Series poker event, you know you could possibly win hundreds of thousands of dollars. Your heart is pounding every time you're in a big hand. I was trying to really, I I was trying to, I know what you mean, and I was really working on that yesterday of just like trying to look at every table as like, oh, this is some sit and go. Even at the final table, I was literally yeah. just like, because I was so tired. Yeah, see, I find it easier to do that if you're playing online than when you're playing in person. When I'm playing in person, it's very hard for me to, I don't want to say it's hard for me to control my emotions because like, I feel like on the surface, it doesn't seem like my heart is pounding really hard. But anytime I'm in a hand, no matter what stage of the tournament, if it's a really big tournament in person, I'm like feeling hardcore adrenaline going through my body and it's great, but it sets me up for a major crash at the end of the day, it's crazy. And that's yeah. why anyone who thinks poker is not a sport is crazy because it oh, really is. It's a huge. It, you need so much endurance to win a poker tournament. Your yeah. our family friend could have taken down the World Series of Poker main event if he was in shape. Like he had a mental fart because he was out of shape. And that don't get me wrong, the guy went. I'm not going to drop his name here, but he made it to the last four tables in the main event years ago, and he lost it like mentally. But I get it. I saw. I felt that last night. I was like, damn, I need to go to bed. I'm waiting yeah. on his uh, live comment to this video now. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. It and it also it doesn't take much to have a moment where all of a sudden you get caught in like one of these massive hands and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm like 30% deep with my chip count already in this hand. Like, what am I doing? And then, boom, before you know it, you're out. I think yeah. we should read the biggest bluff next week. Jeff recommended that book. He wanted to come on air and talk about it too. That got me that poker itch again, guys. I know every year. Yeah, it's like I was reading it the other day. I'm like, man, I got to get in a tournament. I was imagining Eric Seidel giving me a pep talk, taking notes. I'm like, time to dive in here. And I know yeah. this year. Yeah, it's the World Series. So every time this time of year, I just get that itch for like a week. And then I'm good till next summer. Yeah, you're getting me so pumped to play. Like when you told me this morning that it's available in New York, I was, I was like, wow. I, I mean, there's you, the World Series, you have to go to Jersey to play, but there's other sites like America's Card Room you could pretty much play from anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I was, I'm even tempted this week to go across the river and dive into a WSOP event at some point. Seriously. Dude, how Hoboken. It's I'm so thinking about it. You got to get in that mode where you're going to like go up to be that level of like, oh, I'm going in this. You know, I have to get a hotel room. I have to like go and really set up shop. I get that. But you, you're playing it off like an eight hour drive. You're really talking about right across the harbor, like New Jersey, you're right there. No, no, it's, it's close. It's more of just the mental like yesterday. It was so much easier just being at my place and firing up, you know, like that whole like moving to go. It's. I don't know. It's tougher. Way more there, friction. What's the World Series event you would play that's coming up? Oh, man. There's some big one Wednesday that's uh, – I think the winner gets over a mil. Damn, really? Yeah. So it, it'd be awesome if we all go out there when they have it again, though. It's fun having, like, a group of guys in that, at the World Series, I feel like. Are, are they? What are they doing this year? Are they do, still doing Just something? online. They, they don't have anything going on live. That is so crazy. It sucks. I know. It really sucks. But uh, Corey, what's going on Food for Thought-wise? I want to get this yeah. in before uh, the book review. All right, I'll try to be quick here. So Food for Thought, we we're talking about foods that actually can help you live longer. Just give mm. me one second. So we got seven foods. If you guys, while I'm pulling this up, have any guesses what they might be, mm. feel free. Spinach? Uh, no, but spinach, obviously, always good. All right, here we go. 
So number one is nuts. So nuts are uh -huh. rich in fiber and omega three fatty acids. Any Not food that has, thing, Corey. yeah, me neither. But if you can get them in, sometimes they definitely uh, can make you just feel full. Um, but any any, yeah, any food with omega three fatty acids really um, just help increase longevity. So especially during this whole COVID thing, you want to keep your immune system strong. I nuts, take fish oil. That should help. Yeah, right? there right. you go. That's a good replacement. Carrots. Um, they contain carotenoids, which is a powerful antioxidant. So that also definitely helps you prolong your lifespan. What's so up, keep, ca keep carrots. Carrots. <laughs> Yeah, keep carrots in your diet. The other fatty acid is avocados. You could always replace avocados with anything. Instead of using mayonnaise, like Mike and I learned, just put some avocado on there. It adds Shout out to, what's her name? Maria, uh, what, what yeah. was her Yeah, Scully. Yeah, so she, yeah. that was food hack of the last decade for me personally. Yeah, yeah. it's a great food hack. Definitely, well, I have like uh, and cinnamon on coffee. I have to give that one the number one because I that's a daily occurrence for me. It's been game changing. Yeah, it's a good one if you want to suppress your appetite. <laughs> but it, yeah, it also is Larry Aronson. Um, and the other ones are tomatoes. So tomatoes have lip lycopene and that's demonstrated to decrease your risk of cardiovascular disease. Obviously, that's the leading cause of death in the world. Um, and especially now with COVID, um, you know, if you have an underlying condition, typically anything with a heart, cardiovascular or, or uh, diabetic related, you want to eat some tomatoes if you can. Uh, fatty fish, another fatty acid that's good for you. Always add, keep that in your diet, whether it's salmon, it's probably the most known and most common fatty fish. So try to add that to your diet. The you know, for salmon, I love raw. I love sushi salmon and lox salmon. I don't like cooked salmon for some reason. The scale, I've had a bad scale experience too many times. And it's funny because that should be one of the fishes without scales. Whoever cooked that for you, maybe it was me. Terrible. <laughs> no, it was not you. You wouldn't have had a scaled fish. Um, and then the other two, which are obviously you can just get in regardless of whatever your day flaxseed. I add that to all my shakes, just throw it in there. Although it's not quite as healthy for men as it is for women, but it is really healthy overall. Uh, for men, it could give you some uh, man breasts. So keep in mind, don't have too much flaxseed, but it's a great source of healthy omega-3 fats and fiber. And the last one is green tea. Maybe start your day off with some green tea or even end it at night if it's uh, decaffeinated. But throw that in the mix. All of these foods, these seven food groups are uh, antioxidant compounds. So they'll help you live longer, prolong your life. And That's that awesome. is for thought. I mean, yeah. hey, I'm glad to hear a lot of that stuff is stuff that I personally consume. Yeah, it's definitely good to keep in mind. Good stuff. Um, before we dive into this book real Quick, guys, let me just do a quick intro for Eric Dahl. He's coming on in a few minutes. He is the president of Gravitate Online. He's also a keynote speaker. Since 2008, Gravitate Online has provided exceptional marketing to those who are serious about growth. Their full suite of services enables businesses of all sizes to create and maintain top of mind reference through impeccable websites, SEO, paid ads, email, video, social, and strategy. I know we had a uh, Rand Jenkins on last week, who also has a marketing company. It's amazing how many marketing companies are out there. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And I mean, kudos to all these guys because they clearly carve out their own niches and their, I think that's also why it's so important community building as we know in our business. I, I think a lot can be said for that, for these one-off markets 
that have local marketing companies that can relate to the communities they're in. So it'll be fun having Eric on, especially right when he gets on, we're going to have to grill him about Orem, Utah, since we're going in there. I already gave him a little hint coming on that we're going to start off by having him break down Utah Valley University a little since he did attend there. Maybe he can give us some inside scoop. Maybe he still knows some people in town. Yeah, I can't wait. It seems like one of the new markets that really isn't congested at all. And we haven't gone into a non-congested market in quite some time. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, guys, books-wise, before we have them on in a few minutes, we are reviewing this week The Last Kings of Shanghai uh, by Jonathan Kaufman, the rival Jewish dynasties that helped create modern China. So at the end of the day, his new book, it was at a time when the U.S. and the West in general was reevaluating commercial and business ties with China to an extent where they were under threat. It was one of those things where back in the 1930s, 1940s, China was not anything like it is now. They were actually looked at as kind of a joke by the world where they there's a reason that they've turned into the state regime they are in now and they have this giant chip on their shoulder. It's because of what happened in previous decades. And this book was really fascinating because there were two Jewish families that carved out a huge niche in there. One of them was the Sassoon family. The other family were the Kadoris. So the Sassoon conglomerate, relatives of the Baghdadi Jews, were sent out to outposts in China. One of them, the other family was from Bombay. So these were, this was back in the 1940s. And even earlier, Eli Kadori learned business firsthand by the age of 18. He had learned his business philosophy different from that of the Sassoons, the rival Jewish family. And they were basically carving out back in the 1920s, the head of the Sassoon family was sent to Shanghai to run the family business, the oldest son. He transformed the city skyline by constructing several buildings that still stand today, including the Peace Hotel and the Embankment Building. Known for hosting the most lavish parties in town, he was known as Sir Victor. And he, he actually had a philanthropic side to him because he took in thousands of Jewish refugees in the late 1930s. And this was really, it was pretty fascinating because I, I almost looked at this era as like the Wild West in China. Shanghai seemed to be way different than other parts of China, like Beijing and all of the mainland. Up until the 1950s, it was really like free-for-all. Anyone can go there and do stuff. And they clearly, uh, in the last three or four decades, things have changed drastically. But they still have imprints there. If you guys have even heard of the Cafe Hotel, which is all over the world at this point. That comes from these dynasties. And it British colonialism was really what got it going, you know, with how strong of a hold the British had back then. And uh, it, it just was one of those books that there was a lot of like historical data and some mind numbing stuff in there. But to sum it up, these two Jewish dynasties ran China pretty much in the early 1900s for three to four decades. and then they were kicked out and ever there will never be anything like that again and it's wild thinking about not that long ago that china even had that type of fluidity for the outside world and you could see why 
what that led to was so much distrust because they got taken advantage of as a nation by outsiders and they won't allow anyone to really represent their mainland anymore unless you're Chinese and the government. And, you know, that that's kind of why I wanted us to read this book because it kind of gives us a little understanding of where China's perspective is on the world scope. They want to be in charge of the world. They want to be a, a world leader like the U.S. And that wasn't the case up until very recently. And now I know they're arguably the biggest threat to the U.S. at the moment. And it's wild the run they've gone on the last five decades to even get to this point. Do you guys have any thoughts on it? Well, I mean, you did a good job summing the book up. I think it kind of does put things in perspective. Um, yeah, uh, China is definitely in a position where I think they are trying to take over the world and they're trying to position themselves in a way that puts them 100% charged from every Not aspect. Happen, but nice thought yeah. of theirs. Every yeah. aspect from currency to their military to everything. Yeah, it's tough to kind of see a world where it happens, but at the same time, you can kind of see how things are shifting, not even necessarily in their favor, but not in our favor either. I think it's shifting in our favor because you can't treat humans like deli items, like numbers at a deli. And that's always how I think of China. It's like they look at their individuals as numbers. They don't actually care about their people as people. They care about them as numbers. And that can only go so far. We don't actually, and Dan, Danny, and you can attest to this from when you were in China, the, everything's censored there. So we don't actually know what's going on. There's a lot of unrest internally in China when the people want to be free. It's not like they want to be having a state regime in charge of everything that they have no way to dictate. Yeah, I think there's definitely a sense of fear when it comes to people speaking out against the government. I hear that's a popular thing to do. But it happens a lot. You just, these people get ousted. Like they end up vanishing. Like when this pandemic first started, there was a whole vice thing on this. A couple of the Chinese reporters went missing. They were calling out China on not telling the world what was happening, and then they vanished. What about so, the guy who initially like discovered COVID nineteen? Yeah, he literally died. Uh, he just didn't even mention him. So yeah, it makes you kind of wonder. You know, I don't think I don't think that the government actually has the trust of its own people. That's why I don't take China seriously long term. I don't think they're going to even be a, a full-on nation by the end of this decade. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think the former Soviet Union, there's a lot of parallels there where we're going to see a play out. Can you kind of say the same thing about us, though, when you say that you know, there there's no our government? Eh, to an extent. Well, we got Eric on. Eric Dahl, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us. You bet. How are you? Pretty good. We were actually just diving in. I saw you went to uh, University of Utah Valley University, and we're actually expanding our business there. And none of us have ever been to Orem yet. So I'd love to hear the scoop on it, if you don't mind breaking it down for us. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's exciting for you guys. Orem and Provo are always growing crazy because, I mean, when you have you know, the averages of, of, you know, so many kids per family here in the state of Utah, and a lot of them go down to uh, Utah Valley for college, whether it's at BYU or whether it's at UVU, um, it's a, it's a buzzing scene. So I, um, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken like I used to be. I remember the days when UVSC 
excuse me, when UVU used to be UVSC and before that it was UVCC, but now UVU is, is uh, it's growing, it's a hopping place and uh, a lot of energy there, man. That's awesome. Are, Eric, did you grow up in Orem? No, so I, uh, I'm a local boy, um, but didn't grow up in Orem. I grew up in Sandy, uh, now live in Draper, and, uh, and our office is, is here in Bluffdale. So as you can tell, I've, I've ventured off really far in life and, uh, and have a, a serious case of wanderlust. <laughs> I was going to say, Dan and Corey, Eric's had quite the journey, and it's impressive. Uh, Eric, you've done a lot, and I want to say like a lot of people, I think, have a problem with change humans just in general resist it. And you seem to have no problem at all with that. Can you shed some light on that a bit? Like what has made you change the directions when you have in life? Sure, you know, I, I would love to say that I, I haven't fought it, but uh, the truth of the matter is, is, is there's been a lot of times where I have fought change. And I think that, you know, as humans, we often fight change, but I, I'll, I'll tell you something that really kind of changed my whole outlook on the subject was reading a book uh, a few years ago. It's called The Power of Now by a guy by the name of Eckhart Tolle. And what he says is this, is that, you know, he, he encourages people to accept things as they are, to accept the moment as though you had chosen it, is what he says. And that enables us to, to, to you know, put aside all these feelings of not wanting to change and to holding on to our own ideas and our own, our own you know, visions and to accept what's happening into our life to where then you can make a change based off of what the, the circumstances are. And that, when I read it, really kind of changed my whole outlook on that topic and, and helped me to, I think, become smarter and wiser. And, um, and so, I, you know, I, I tell people that a lot. It's, it's just the way that you look at it. And if you can accept the moment as it is, and to quit fighting against it, that will allow you the growth that you're, you're ultimately trying to, to accomplish. Wow, that is quite the stoic mentality right there. That's amazing. I love yeah, it. I love that. Power of Now is a good book. I've read that. Yeah. Eric, I can see how you're a keynote speaker. I mean, I'm already pumped up, tuned in here, listening to that. What, what was it like your first time in front of a crowd? You know, I remember getting up in front of a crowd and, and trying to be authentic, but I was using some, at the time, one of my friend's stories, and it just, it didn't jive. You know, I could tell that people weren't weren't picking up what I was putting down. <clears throat> and so I thought that my, my friend had all these really cool stories, but when I'm telling them, no, but everybody's like, yeah, well, who's your friend and why aren't you telling your own stories? Because as humans, I think we're all very curious individuals, right? We all want to, to learn and, and to, to understand how people tick. But when you're not authentic, when you're not your own self, it's like you're putting up this wall. And so, you know, I, I tell people, if you can be absolutely 100% authentic to who you are, that's what's going to be memorable. That's what's going to be compelling. And, uh, and that's where people will, you know, tell your stories. Mm. And is that, do you think that coincides with your management skills, being able to lead so many people? Because I saw with your trajectory and track record, Eric, you have a lot of experience managing a ton of people at once, which I know on our team, we could all speak for, it's extremely difficult. How, how have you gone about commanding the attention of so many people from close and afar? Yeah, no, great question. You know, I, I read, I, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm always reading, but one of the books that I read many, many, many years ago 
said that the hardest thing in business is managing people. And I believe that's that's the case. Um, but I also know that, you know, when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in sports. I played a lot of basketball and I, I would always have different kind of, you know, coaches that behaved in one way or another. And I always responded best. I always played my best when I knew that I had a player's coach. And a player's coach is somebody who basically puts their arm around you and says, hey, I believe in you no matter what. You got this. We're going to figure it out. Just go out and do your best and good things are going to happen. And I always did really well with those types of coaches. And, you know, on the flip side, you have the coaches who if you didn't get do a, a certain play or if you messed up once, they'd yank you out of the game or they're yelling at you from the sidelines. And it's like it would just bring me down. And so I, I know that I've always responded well to players, coaches. And so in my own life, when I've had the opportunity to lead others, I've always tried to be a players coach. I've always tried to be very complimentary about people, about their, you know, their, their skill sets, uh, their talents, and just build them up because I think that that's what's made the most difference. Wow. So I feel like that also for our viewers, the self-awareness you have to be able to make a tweak like that from being on the receiving end to coaching to then being able to be the coach. I think there, that's a very special gift, Eric, because I know the analogy always is like people say it's one thing to be Michael Jordan, but can you teach somebody to be like Michael Jordan? And it's a, such a different ball game as we've seen with him. He's Michael Jordan, the player coaching, managing, not the same ball game. So that's amazing that you were able to pivot that and put yourself in the shoes of, oh, I liked a player's coach. That's what resonated with me. How about when you're having different leadership talks with certain people, have you seen certain employees that actually prefer the, the tough guy non-players coach where, you know, the guy that's just a bit mean and ruffling feathers a little? How do you go about yeah. that? No question. And, and great question, by the way. But yeah, you can't use like a cookie cutter type mentality for for all employees right it's just it's just not going to work and there are those you know who have have, have come to me and said eric I, I don't want you to be nice to me i want you to you know give me the the nitty-gritty i want you to to just say it like it is and it's, and it's difficult for me because i'm you know I'm, I'm a pretty kind natured individual i think but um you know where they're coming to me and saying look i re i react much better if you're calling me out okay i can i can pivot a little bit and, and do what i need to do to be a little bit more aggressive in, in my messaging. Um, but it, there again, it's always a team effort. It's always a collaboration. And you've got to understand that, you know, you, if, if in this case, your employees are coming to you and they're asking you for something that's going to be helpful for them. Yes. Okay. I'll do whatever I can to help you to succeed within this role, because as any good leader wants, I want you to be happy. I want you to succeed and I want you to do your very best work. And if that's going to unlock that, that door to do it. Okay. Let's, let's do it. That's, that flexibility, I feel like, is so important in that role. And Eric, what's it been like throughout the pandemic in terms of being able to manage employees and the, the balancing act of that? With Have you been able to have any FaceTime? Do you think having people working from home is sustainable? Take us through what that's like at Gravitate Online. Yeah, no, great question. At Gravitate, you know, we've got this office, and um, I was just sending an email earlier out to a friend of mine and, and saying, you know, I feel like this is a ghost town right now. Um, I've been coming into the office. My office is removed from um, the downstairs portion where the rest of our team 
um, is, is located. We have a, a group of developers, we have a group of creatives, and then our account managers all within this, this large warehouse area. But, you know, we haven't seen the majority of them um, since March on a day-to-day -day basis. They'll come in every now and again um, just for various reasons. And it's always great to see them and, and to talk to them face-to-face. -face. But I think that this is, you know, not, not to sound too cliche, but this is the new norm and everybody is getting used to these you know remote meetings these video conference calls like we're having right now and it's just becoming more and more ingrained into the day-to-day -day operations of a lot of businesses including gravitate online um and it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the next you know two three four five years um i spoke with another contact of mine who manages a a big, you know, portion of a massive telecommunications company. I won't mention it by name, but everybody knows the name of this company. They have tons of office space here in Salt Lake, but they're at the point now where they don't think that they'll ever go back. And, and um, you know, it's just back in February to, to consider these ideas. It's it's just so foreign, but now it's, uh, now it's reality and, and we're all just trying to, to get used to it. But I, I do think to answer your question, it is sustainable. I think that it will be sustainable. I think that there's going to be a lot more remote work that gets completed, you know, for the duration because we know we can do it. And Eric, I mean, talk about a fitting name that hits a home run during this time. Your company, Gravitate Online. I mean, when we think of a pandemic, everyone having to go to e-commerce, that, that's game changing. I mean, that's a perfect name for the times. Can you take us through like what, it, what your company does, like what kind of clients you bring on? And have those types of clients changed throughout the past few months? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Gravitate Online was was uh, created in 2008. And um, unfortunately, I wasn't the one behind the, the branding because I think, you know, to like you say, Mike, it's it's a great name for a company. And so uh, props to those who, who named Gravitate what it is. But uh, Gravitate has, has grown steadily from just being a dedicated search engine optimization company to now, you know, evolving into a full suite uh, digital marketing agency. And so uh, we do everything from SEO to PPC to email outreach, social outreach, uh, strategy and, and, and beyond. But, um, you know, as far as our clients are concerned, the question I get asked all the time is, OK, what's your niche? What types of companies do you work with more often than not? And I think that that's a normal question, but we identify ourselves as relationship guys here. And so, you know, the majority of our clients are brought to us through, um, you know, referrals and just, hey, let me introduce you to so-and-so. And that means that their industries are, you know, all over the board. Uh, but the, the thing that I admire about the way, even before I joined Gravitate, I, I always admired the way that they would take the extra time to try to understand how to best craft a marketing plan for a business and not, you know, try to do something that was templatized. Um, but uh, it speaks to really the, the long-term relationship feel that we try to, to capture here and with our clients. And, you know, I don't know that um, since the pandemic has hit that our, our clientele has, has changed much. I think that, you know, in bringing on new business, it has been a little bit of a challenge just because people are holding the, their cards close to the vest and, and, and wanting to understand, okay, is it going to get any worse before we dive in. And, and so that's been a little bit of a hurdle, but, but overall, uh, I don't think that our clients, you know, our client base has changed much and, and, and I'm grateful for that. Hey, Eric, 
do you have any uh, clients in like the service industry, hotels or restaurant space? We do. Yes. In fact, um, we we've been working. Um, we have a, a partner down in Las Vegas. And so we've been working with um, some hotels, some well-known hotels down in, in the Vegas area, also some restaurants. Um, we have more, I'd say, of a hotel clientele base uh, in the Vegas market than we do here in Salt Lake City. Um, but uh, also work with with some um, some restaurants here locally as well. Have you seen any, um, are they able to still make payments? And like, actually, I know a lot of local restaurants are, you know, obviously struggling to pay rent. Are they cutting back on marketing? How have you dealt with that? Yeah, you know, I think it's been really kind of a case by case basis. We've worked with some clients that, you know, for whatever reason, as soon as it hit, they were on the horn with us saying, hey, we've got to we've got to pull back a little bit on this. Uh, but the majority of them luckily have, have continued to thrive. And, and, you know, to your to your point, yeah, there's been some restaurants and also, you know, um, one of our clients is a gym and they've had to, to pull back on the reins a little bit just because times have been very difficult for them and, and understandably so. Um, but, um, you know, I feel very fortunate in the sense that um, with everything that's going on and, and understanding the depth of uh, and the magnitude of, of this pandemic, I think that Gravitate has done very well, which means that its clients have, have done quite well throughout this whole process. And, and that um, that makes me happy. That's great. And Eric, in terms of the, your work-life balance currently, how have you been balancing out you know, gravitate online and having any type of normalcy in your personal life, which I know it's kind of blended these days for a lot of people with the work from home and everything going on. What's that been like for you? Yeah, you know, for the first little while, I didn't come into the office and um, was was doing everything from home. And, and, and that was just kind of weird. I think, you know, all of us can relate to that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my work. And, and meanwhile, my daughters are chiming in or my wife's asking me questions. And, um, you know, you just kind of get used to that. Um, but in time, I started coming back to the office and now come in every day. But again, it's it's a ghost town here. Everybody's working remotely, getting their their work done. And so the work-life balance for me, I think, is has impacted me most. Um, those who know me know that I'm, I'm really kind of uh, uh, dedicated. I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of, I go to the gym every day. And when I don't get my gym time, I feel it. I'm not as happy. I don't feel like I'm as creative. And I haven't been to the gym since March. I'd have, you know, I've had to work out in the basement and um, it's hard to stay motivated and, and working out in the basement as opposed to going to the gym and having all these you know, machines and all the dumbbells that you want. And so it's been, um, it's been, it's been weird, you know, and, and uh, like I say, I know I'm not the only one who's faced that, but uh, at the same time, I've, I've done the best I could, you know, I, I dusted off my P90X and Insanity discs and I've been doing that. And, um, and that's, that's done wonders for me, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when I can go back to the gym on a daily basis because I miss my gym friends and I miss, I miss that opportunity to just, you know, kind of have that release. Yeah. I think so, we can all relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I moved down to Charleston at the way beginning of March, which was right when this started. And I have not lifted a set of weights since. And it's been hard because that was the main thing I did. Right when I woke up every day, I would go to the gym and it's how I would always start my day. And I've kind of turned into a runner. 
to an extent, but it's different. You know, you like get in that sweat, but it's it's not the same as having the outlet to be able to lift weights. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I can't wait for the gyms to get back in action. Me too. Yeah, I've heard, I've done insanity twice already. I'm uh I'm over it. <laughs> it's just yeah. doing it for me. Yeah, props and uh, and condolences, Corey. Thank you. <laughs> Dan, I feel you, man. I empathize. I, I, yeah, it's been a rough go. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the day. Crossing my fingers that, um, you know, we're all clear and and we can get back in and and that part of my life can resume as normal. Eric, so I have to touch on this. We're obviously in the food delivery business. I, when, when it comes to food, for one, before the pandemic, were you ever a delivery guy? And has the pandemic shifted gears on that at all? If you weren't. So, yes, I, you know, I've ordered a fair amount of food. Typically what happens a lot of days is I'll get so wrapped up in my own schedule that I won't have time to break away from the office. And so it's nice to have food delivered to, to here at the office. And so, um, but yeah, since the pandemic has hit, it's like, you know, skyrocketed, which is good news for you guys. And, um, and I hope that uh, that's, that's something that you're, you're able to capitalize on because I know that there's a lot of people like me who are ordering in a lot of food and because um, I am I am not a cook I you know I, I don't do well at assembling my own food I love to eat the food but uh, delivery has has uh, been a, a very convenient part of my life uh, in particular the last few months oh we love hearing that Eric we'll obviously make sure to hook you up when we come into your stomping grounds there in a few probably we'll hopefully be there by the fall good well I'll be putting you guys to work Oh, can't wait. Well, what can't would you wait. say? What's your cheat meal? Like if all nothing matters, death row, last meal on earth, what, what's Eric Dahl crushing? I, I love this question. And this is a question that I ask a lot of other people just to kind of understand, you know, how their wheels turn and what they what they prefer. But if, if you're saying to me, I have one last meal, there's no question that it's going to be a big, juicy cheeseburger with bacon on top, you know, with the fries and a, and a Coke. Um, you give me a bacon cheeseburger with fries and a Coke, I'm going to be a very, very happy boy. And, you know, that's the cheat meal that uh, I'm always tempted to engage in, whether it's a cheat day or not. I love that, Eric. I mean, you can have a smile on your face with a burger, bacon, fries, a Coke. I mean, who can say no to that? Right. Are we talking about fast food or are we talking... I got to be honest, man, I don't discriminate. Like I have my favorites, but, um, you know, I've got restaurants that I go to that just knock it out of the park. But if I need a quick fix, like I'm down with, uh, you know, I am down with <laughs> everything from in and out to, to, you know, Burger King. I mean, I, I don't discriminate when it comes to burgers. Me neither. Go ahead, Mike. No, go for it. I was just going to say, so uh, coming – for Orem, what would you say is your favorite restaurant there? If you still, do you still know any? So yes, down in Orem, boy, that's a good question. It's It's been a minute since I, I've eaten down there with regularity. Um, but, um, you know, right off of that freeway next to, next to UVU, they've got a lot of, uh, a lot of different options. Um, there used to be a sub a subway shop called Sensuous Sandwiches, but I think that it's gone out of business. Um, I've, I've eaten there a lot, but, um, you know, up and down that, that, uh, that uh, exit, I, I even ate at uh, El Pollo Loco recently and they had a, a chicken bowl that was awesome. It blew me away. So, you know, that's right up the street from UVU and um, 
that's that's one to uh, to keep on your radar for sure. That, that's actually funny. I spoke to them today because we're also launching Ogden, and they have a location there as well. Did not know they're in Orem, so good to know. Yeah, they're chicken bowls. They don't disappoint. Eric, maybe we can all Anyways. break bread or chicken bowls when we're all uh, in your stomping grounds. We'll we'll definitely be there at some point when you know the travel gets a bit easier. Yeah, well, I'd welcome you guys to the office, and uh, I'll show you around the ghost town here when it makes sense, for sure. Oh, can't wait, man. You seem like the man, and excited to meet you, and we really appreciate the time, Eric. This was a lot hey, of fun. Thanks Great. for the yeah, time. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this all day, so thanks for your time, guys, and uh, and look forward to celebrating your success with you. Thank you, Eric. And where can our followers find you, just for anybody looking for marketing help? What's the best spot for Gravitate Online? Yeah. So for Gravitate Online, I'd say just go to our website, which is gravitateonline.com. Um, and if you want to connect with me personally, um, the easiest way is through LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Reach out to me. Would love to, to connect with you. And um, in the meantime, like I say, guys, thanks for having me on today. Thanks a lot, Eric. Talk to you Take soon. Care. Take care. Bye-bye. That was awesome. Hey, Utah has some really nice people. I'm pumped that we're expanding throughout the state. They're great people. Great so people. Fair. Like all these, I mean, Rand obviously is the man too. He's in Flagstaff. But what's cool about this guy on LinkedIn, just messaging someone, it's been amazing the reception of people wanting to come on the podcast. And they're, they're all like, oh, that sounds great. We have a doctor coming on from Provo in a few weeks. This doctor actually that I was talking to earlier. So I actually really enjoy this because during the lockdown, when it was really bad in New York, I was getting a bit lonely and I was like, I'm not used to that. And it got to the point, it's like, what can we be doing here to be just talking to people? And I think this is really cool that we've kind of started having on former strangers that none of us had ever talked to. And yeah. then a few minutes later, it's like you build rapport and, you know, you start planting some seeds and getting to know people around the country. I love it. Yeah. Even with the, with the sales calls going on, like typically, Dan, you know about this, but not everyone's receptive. Like certain people just tell you no. The Utah list, they literally, even if they're going to say no, they hear you out. They have them send you an email and then they'll tell you no. It's like, all right, well, I appreciate your time. Like, thank you. Because <laughs> most people just say no and hang up. And Corey, that yeah. gives you the runway too. More with how beast of a salesperson you are, that usually gets you enough runway to just boom. Yeah, more time, more time to close. So it's been good. So, you guys see the uh, Utah Valley University mascot, Billy the Wolverine? No, I love it. Well, I just, yeah. He just like, put his water bottle like, right in front of the camera. Genius. Right. Right. That, love that. <laughs> Very yeah, good call. Yeah. We need to get yeah. some, uh, some low Dell merch that we could all put during the podcast. Corey, I got to get that hoodie from you. Corey has the yeah. sick low Dell hoodie, Dan. Really? I should, yeah. Should, should I bring it out real quick? Yeah, oh, 100%. Right. Let's yeah, let's see this thing. You're going to love this, Dan. That add me up. This, this is uh, this podcast is fun. Yeah. Where's young man? He has to have his weekly appearance. I'll go get him. Nice. nice. Mr. Charleston, for our viewers, uh, Miles is Dan's dog, Jack Russell Terrier. I think he's turning 12 years old here in a few weeks. We've had numerous nicknames for him over the year. The best one has been Young Man and Monsieur. And there is Mr. Charleston now. Look at the hoodie. What's up, Miles? Young Man, meet the hoodie. Look at that hoodie, pal. That's pretty cool. Look at the hoodie, bud. It's like uh, athletic. It's not like your typical 
I can't explain it, but it's awesome. Miles is yeah. looking at shops, looking at Corey's hoodie through the screen. Miles, check this out, buddy. What's Miles, up, pal? Loving this. Miles, good to see you, bud. I'm going to come say what's up in a few weeks. Nice tilting the head there. What's going on, young man? Mr. Charleston. I, one of these days, a dog is just going to go full on banter mode with me. I'm waiting for it. I've been talking to dogs like humans now for like three decades. One of them is going to give me the time of day. You wait for Miles it. Miles is simply trying to understand you. Right now. Miles always understands me. He just decides to not speak. Miles, come on, bud. He's like, <laughs> he knows what you're saying. Ever since I saw that Dr. Doolittle movie as a kid with Eddie Murphy, I've convinced myself I could speak to animals. I mean, it cracks oh, me up. I could speak to them. It's just, it's not, there's no reciprocating going on. So, <laughs> Miles? Maybe next right. time. One of these days, pal. <laughs> He's the man. I miss you, buddy. Um, good stuff, guys. Well, I think that's enough of people hearing us today. Someone's stomach's churning over there. I, I intermittent fasted today. I don't even know yeah. what's in store for me tonight. Me too. I love that feeling, Corey. I did a nice long run earlier. Time to crush dinner. Let's go. Indian. You know, I was craving that last night. Simmering bad one. Jeez. The bad one. The man. All right, guys. This was fun. All right. Bootstrapped in the trenches. Making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team. Let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' want to tune in. Get Lowdown. It's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through. Join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just want to be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.